this is year 2023 in hindsight. What were the most impactful things that happened in the world of nutrition? At least from my perspective. And before we move on, I hope that you had a great year. I bet you had many ambitious projects and not all of them went according to your plans. The important thing is that you learn and improve. Today, I want to recap the important events that we saw in 2023 from the perspective of health, nutrition, healthy lifestyle. So here are some news that really shook the world. The first is GLP-1, then we have relative energy deficiency in sports, then new advances in strength training, then I will talk about the diet fat, blood glucose monitoring, training and nutrition for the menstrual cycle, nutrition for your genes, and then I will share with you a few questions you can reflect on before setting the new goals for 2024. Hello friend, if you are joining me for the first time, welcome. I'm your host Daniel Weiss, a certified nutrition coach, educator and an athlete. I've created this show to help you understand and simplify nutrition so you can focus on making educated choices and observe how your body starts feeling, looking and performing better. I've been working with people who simply want to look and feel better, recreational as well as elite athletes who want to challenge themselves, but also with fitness professionals. I know that becoming a better, fitter version of yourself will not be possible without the right mindset and habits that will get you through the hard times. So that is why I cover these topics as well. I would also like to bring to your attention the nutrition guides, meal plans and other resources that I have created over the years and you can get them for free at www.eiss.eu forward slash guides. This is part of my weekly health energy performance newsletter during which I go deeper into topics what happened during the week, new nutrition studies, mindset and recommendations that you can start applying to make better educated choices in your life and better your health, energy and performance. If you want to sign up, go directly to danweiss.eu forward slash newsletter. Link is also in the description below. GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide 1 took the spotlight as researchers delved deeper into its role in metabolism and weight management. There were some exciting findings that suggested its potential to regulate appetite and blood sugar. And that sparked interest in its application for personalized nutrition plans, especially for people who have trouble losing fat. Well, while GLP-1 has long been associated with diabetes, in 2023 we saw a big increase in its use in the obesity treatment. What the GLP-1 does is that regulates appetite, basically blunts it, and people simply don't feel hungry, so that makes it very easy to lose fat. But that also became kind of problem, because people who use GLP-1 have decreased appetite and sometimes they need to 
force feed themselves to make sure they get enough of these essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, or they need to pretty much supplement with uh, green powders, vitamins, minerals, maybe protein powder, because when we are losing weight, we are not only losing fat, we are also losing muscle mass. The problem with obese population is that they are usually under-muscled already. So losing even more muscle during that process of dieting might not be something that we want. On the other hand, food producers such as Nestle got alerted. People who have no appetite won't eat their products, however tasty they are. And that hurts their sales, right? So Nestle started creating different products and they are thinking like, how could we use things or new products that would go hand in hand or complement the GLP-1 use? Because they assume that it will be even more used in the near future. So they started creating products that would limit the loss of lean muscle mass, for example. We have seen those in medical industry. Those are the nutrient drinks that are used in medicine for the patients. And they are pretty much based on prescription. Also, they are available for purchase for people. With prescription, it's much cheaper. Relative energy deficiency in sports is starting to be recognized as a more common problem than it was previously thought. What am I talking about? During periods of low energy availability, you can still have enough energy for training, for the physical activity, but your body system starts to shut down as a result of low energy availability. An athlete in training with high energy expenditure and low energy intake can hinder themselves their health if energy availability stays too low for an extended period of time. New studies suggest that it is not only about how much energy we get within the day, so let's say 2000 calories in one meal in the evening is different than having it spread through the three meals or six meals. Having sufficient energy, and more specifically carbohydrates, at times around workouts plays a crucial role in athletes' performance and metabolic health. And that is especially true for endurance athletes where energy consumption or expenditure rather is much higher than compared to your strength training or general gym going. I have covered this topic and probably will cover this topic in future even more. And if you want to learn more, go to danweiss.eu forward slash R-E-D-S altogether. Link will be also in the description below for your convenience. Resistance training or strength training is gaining more attention as the new findings suggest it's important for preserving and building muscle mass, cardiometabolic health, bone health and even your mental health. We know that it's super important not only for young people but even more for older people. Because after about the age of 30, we start losing muscle mass due to sarcopenia, 
we are not using muscle as much and that's just not good for us. So I believe that we will find much more research into strength or resistance training in near future and I will be covering this topic as well very soon, so stay tuned. Let's talk about diet fats. Managing blood sugar and continuous glucose monitoring. CGMs gained traction amongst those without diabetes who are interested in optimizing their energy levels, mental clarity and even sports performance through better blood sugar regulation or control. The idea is that stable levels of blood sugar are a sign of a healthy metabolism and keeping the blood sugar in the optimal zones is also beneficial for endurance performance. You don't want to go into low blood sugar, feel dizzy and weak and hungry or on the other hand feel tired because your blood sugar is too high and even worse going from low blood sugar to high blood sugar levels. But here are the main issues with other problems. In the context of exercise performance, we just don't have enough data yet to establish what the ideal levels of blood sugar are. Maybe we will be there in near future, but we are not there yet. In the context of general health, focusing on blood sugar response to food leads people to lower their intake of carbohydrates as a whole broad group of food and that can have a negative effect on their health, mood, physical and mental performance. So let me tell you a little story. Because it's been very popular I decided to try it myself. And when I saw my blood sugar spikes and dips and how it's been fluctuating throughout the day, it made me kind of anxious. So for example, when I went for a run and I noticed like, hmm, I'm feeling relatively tired today. You know, in reality, maybe I just slept not very well or there were some other issues, but I immediately looked at my blood sugar and, you know, I, I was constantly trying to check it during my run, like if it is in some kind of optimal zone. Even though I knew that there is no optimal zone or that it has little to do with the blood sugar, how I feel. But it made me really anxious. I was also constantly checking after my meals, before my meals, how my blood sugar is and you know, anytime it was a little bit higher than I expected, but still within a healthy range, you know, I started reconsidering what I'm doing, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but the kind of anxiety and uneasiness it was giving me is not something that I would like to do. So I stopped doing this and you know what, my health didn't decrease as a result, <laughs> you know, and I've heard this from many other sources or many other people who have also problems with this that they started checking it and although they know that it's not as important to check your blood sugar if you are a healthy person then you know they started having this anxious feeling as well and I'm not saying that this will happen to everybody 
but it's something to consider. And a lot of those who promote or speak about managing blood sugar, when we just focus simply on the blood sugar spikes and dips, it can be very misleading because it can not be only about the food, it can relate also to your mood, to your anxiety, to how you slept the day before. So it's always better to have that interpretation or even necessary to have that interpretation from a person who understand those things and not just try to self-interpret it. Because we have seen that people who focus on managing their blood sugar, they are treating a symptom, not the root cause. And if you want to learn more about blood sugar, I will also leave the link in the to the article that I wrote on this topic uh, in the links below. Training and nutrition for menstrual cycle was also very popular in the past year. There has been a search in nutrition tailored specifically for female menstrual cycle. And I guess it's because women are the main buyers of health and fitness products and services and providing nutrition advice such as how to eat and exercise according to the cycle to help maybe fat loss, to improve their health and even boost athletic performance really sounds great in theory but not so exciting in practice. Some people say that there is not a lot of research in female athletes and that's completely true but based on our current evidence we cannot say that or make practical recommendations for female athletes how to adjust or if they even should adjust their training and nutrition. There have been several studies that explored adjusting training programs or nutrition to the different phases of the cycle, and they found no practical differences. So there are a few problems that they identified during these studies, and that is that these recommendations are based on the hormonal level fluctuations. And there is a high variability between individuals but also within individuals during the stages of the cycle. So changing training or nutrition according to the cycle is impractical at best. For example, we can have females who feel really great and see very little fluctuations during their whole cycle and and now the recommendation is that you should train less or less intensively, but you are feeling great. I mean, from the long-term perspective, that doesn't make sense. On the other hand, we can have a female who generally feels great, but during this specific cycle, she's feeling tired and not very well, not ready to train at high intensity. Well, what should you do? Like, should you recommend them like go train hard because you are in that phase of the cycle, this simply doesn't make sense, right? So the best thing you can do currently, based on the current available evidence, is to track your cycle and adjust the training load according to how you feel. For example, coach can help you with that. And if you want to learn about this topic, I have a podcast episode with 
Tina Gershik-Sparvats, where we speak more about female health, menstrual cycle, and what possible nutrition changes you can make. I will leave the description in the link below as well. Last but not least, nutrition for your genes. The idea behind the nutrition based on your genetics is that that kind of diet aligns perfectly with your unique genes should result in superior health outcomes when compared to general dietary advice. And providers of these genetic tests will get several genes, usually 1 to 10, to uncover the health risks and also fat and carbohydrate metabolism and create some kind of personal nutrition plan or recommendations. And there have been several studies done where participants who receive personalized nutrition improve their overall diet quality. For example, they ate less red meat and less saturated fat and even improve their healthy eating index scores. But there is no evidence of an advantage to nutrition based on your genetics for improving body weight, BMI, waist circumference, or even any blood biomarkers. So, story told short, it's not better than general advice when applied. Diet quality, overall energy intake, physical activity are still like the three main pillars with the most influence on weight loss. Genetics, not so much, we are not there yet. However, there is a good reason to do the genetic testing and that is for prevention of disease or being aware of some risks that can run in your family. And now, let's go to the self-reflection questions before you jump into goal setting. Well, we need to look first back and review because we can learn from that based on what we've been doing so far. I think it's very undervalued. We jump into goal setting and be excited in the beginning of this year because everybody does so. So there is this collective motivation going on. But what I found really to be beneficial is really to take a look back, review, learn from what went well and also from what didn't go as planned. And here are the few questions that I suggest you to think about. First, what went well? And also think why it did go well. How can you do more of it? Or more consistently? What did not go so well? Why? And what can you do better? What can you learn from those mistakes or kind of fails? What have you changed your mind on? What knowledge or ideas have you reinforced? If you watched a video of yourself during the past year, what would you see? Were you acting according to what's important to you or what you say that is important to you? Were your acts aligned with your goals? I hope these questions and this podcast episode 
was interesting for you and also helpful. If you liked it, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. And I'm looking forward to you in the next episode. As always, all the links will be provided in the description regarding the topics that I touched. So go check it there.